As we have been journeying together through the summer, we have been talking through Jesus' invitation to follow him. Starting with what what we can learn really from his call of his earliest followers, of his his first disciples. And then last week we began exploring the places where, where he uses that follow me language while in conversation or in his teaching. Last week, we looked at a place where he said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of real life. This morning, we're looking at a conversation about following Jesus and priorities. And it's one of those conversations that should should make us cringe a little bit as we read it. We actually talked through it last fall during the, the sermon series that we called Uncomfortable Conversations. It's told in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it takes place right after the moment where Jesus rebukes his disciples for keeping the children away from him. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all highlight the truth that that sometimes even those who consider themselves closest to Jesus don't get it right. Sometimes we all need a bit of a course correction when it comes to our priorities. So, so Jesus, he, he turns to the disciples who are, are shielding him from, from parents trying to bring their children to him. And he says, hey, not only do you need to get out of their way, but you also need to follow their lead. If you can't accept God's kingdom in the simplicity of a child, you, you're never going to get it. And then starting in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, we read this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will treasure and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and, and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were were even more amazed and, and, and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me, for me in the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
about a month ago when I, I went into a grocery store for the first time without a mask, I had to do all kinds of mental gymnastics to remind myself I was okay. I was vaccinated, so most of the, the so-called experts and health officials, they agreed that I was safe. The signs on the front of the store they had, that had been shouting danger and, and keep your distance for so long were, were now replaced with, with signs that tried to assure me that I was safe, that I was welcomed. Maybe you had a similar experience. But I remember walking into the store and then out of the store with a, a bag of grocery, just feeling like I had, I had won the lottery, some sort of victory. And even if it was just for a moment, I had conquered a feel of fear that had been building in me for over a year. It's a feeling I, I never would have dreamed of experiencing before the pandemic changed our entire world. We're definitely not all the way out of the woods yet, but in the same way that, that previous generations said things like before the war and after the war, referring to World War I or World War II, at some point we're going to reach a place as a society where we say before COVID and after COVID. If you fell asleep sometime in 2019 and, and woke up this morning, the world would look totally different than what you remember. Your family and friends would have different fears and concerns, as well as, as different aspirations and different goals. Hope would look different. The ideas of justice and peace would have new illustrations. Being whole and healthy, it all looks different today than it did before we knew the word COVID. Jewish people living around Jesus' time, the first century, and, and really just before have language to describe the difference between the challenges of a, a present and a future full of possibilities. They'd refer to the present age, this time, as a time of struggle, full of sin, oppression, thinking that the good people suffered at the hand of evil for no real good reason. And, and they'd refer to the age to come as something that would occur in their lifetime that would make that all go away that would make everything different, some sort of great event that God would use to bring them freedom, to restore justice and peace. The pressing question for any Jew who believed in the age to come was, what do I need to do to experience it? How can I make sure that I'm a part of it? Now, we tend to think of the rich man's question in this story as a question about, about heaven. But that's not necessarily how he or anyone else who was listening would have understood the phrase during Jesus' day. It was more along the lines of, what do I need to do to make sure I experience life the way that God intended? How can I experience God's blessing, Jesus? They, they talk about the, the commandments for a while, and then Jesus invites him to, to change his priorities and follow him. It's the easy, easy response. Go sell everything. Give it all to the poor and, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, nothing says reset like selling everything and completely starting over. And, and there's definitely stories of people who, who read these words and they took them literally today and who, who, who like the disciples, dropped everything and, and did just that. They, they left it all to follow Jesus. I recently read about a businessman who, who left a, a business that had been in his family for generations to go into ministry, which led to all kinds of 
pain and and difficult conversations with his family. Or or the more drastic stories of of, of children being disowned by their families for, for leaving one faith for another. But this story also speaks to ways that that those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus can constantly check our priorities. First, the story invites us to check the priorities we set around our achievements. In all three of the Gospels that tell this story, a picture is painted of a man who is powerful and influential, the rich young ruler. It's likely a, a chief in a synagogue or a respected community leader. The fact that he was willing to approach Jesus showed that he had ambition, drive. Now, it's not necessarily that ambition and drive are always bad. That's not what I'm saying. But when we're constantly working to achieve the next best thing, we run the risk of moving from motivation to obsession. And that's the place where the damage is done. It's the idea captured in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, the Pride coming before the fall. The second area the story invites us to check our priorities has to do with what we pursue. There are countless examples of leaders from from all walks of life. Politicians, pastors, CEOs, coaches, teachers, moms, dads. Countless people steamrolling those they are closest to in order to gain or achieve whatever it is that is next. A new position, more money, more influence. This young, influential man who approaches Jesus isn't all wrong. Not not at all, but the questions that he asks, they reveal something about him. First, when he says, Jesus, when he addresses Jesus as good teacher, he's assuming that goodness is something that can be obtained or or achieved. Again, it's about achievement, not not character. Jesus' response tells us as much. Why do you call me good? No one is good, but but one, God. Jesus is responding to the misconception that being good is something that, that, that can be achieved through human effort, rather than something that is only given by God. So then when Jesus lists all the commandments, the man responds with this, this idea, hey, I've kept them since I was a kid. I'm good. So not only does he have a particular belief about how one becomes good, he also thinks eternal life, or remember that that age to come, is something that can be earned. It's all about pursuit. We get caught up in it today and in our world as well. If I'm good enough, if I work hard enough, if I'm pretty enough, if I'm fill in the blank enough. The pursuit of gaining enough will always come up short. And following Jesus reminds us to prioritize grace, to offer it, to accept it, to recognize that there's nothing we can do to earn what God offers. Lastly, this story reminds us to think about our values. Jesus doesn't mock the man. He doesn't shame him. He he gives him his full attention. He loves him. And then he tells him the truth. And then he turns around and he sees his disciples are watching and listening and he gives them that same attention, taking the chance to talk about the present age, what they are dealing with and the age to come. It's so easy to talk about this passage in in big sweeping generalizations, to debate what Jesus means when he's talking about the camel and the eye and all that sort of stuff. 
or about what this passage and, and the money piece might mean for us with all the wealth that we are surrounded by. And those conversations are important, and we need to have them. And yet, at its core, this story is a reminder that following Jesus, discipleship, should shape every area of our life, in the present and in the future. It should change the way that we look at our achievements. It should change what we pursue and how we go after those goals. And it should change what we value. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, as we aim to follow you on this journey, Lord, we ask that you would give us ample opportunity to continue to check our priorities. And Lord, we ask that our priorities would line up with what you have for us. We pray these things in your name. Amen.